John, hey, John, whoa, hi. Whoa. How's it going? Whoa. It's going. I'm chilling. It, it was I'm chilling. It's it's, out. it's it's the day. It's, it's almost the end of April. I mean, it's kind of the end the, of April. It's the day after 420. It's it, it's getting to late. It's officially in late April territory, which means that it's time that we got off our asses and did an episode of this show again. Um, John, how have you been since we last talked? Um, I've what have you been I, up to? I've been all right. Uh, I've mostly just been gaming. Uh, I I mean I I'm I'm still on the job hunt. I'm still sending out applications and shit. But when I'm not doing that, I'm gaming. I'm, it's all about gaming. I'm, I'm listening to music, albums. I'm I'm enriching myself. I'm I'm becoming a well-rounded person. <laughs> X, always wonderful to hear. Uh, I know that you last time we talked about your album, your album quest. Um, any uh, anything to report back on that? Any f- new favorites? Um, anything that you're you shocked to learn people enjoy? Unironically, I can't remember where exactly I was when I when I talked about doing that. Uh, but I I did end up finishing uh, my my first objective, which was listen to rate your music's top ten albums of all time, uh, based on user ratings. Uh, mm-hmm. I I am a Radiohead head now. Excellent, love uh, to hear it. I I really enjoyed the three albums that were in the top ten albums of all time from Radiohead. Uh, mostly Kid A. Kid A was like a life changing experience for me. I, I don't know the I don't know the top ten on Radio Music off the top of my head. It's gonna be uh Kid A uh in Rainbows and OK Computer. I'm guessing. Uh, yes. Okay. Okay, as as it should be. Uh, I can actually pull out the charts right now to tell you what the top ten are, because uh, I, I I keep it bookmarked. Uh, top ten are Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Pretty good. Good Kid, Mad City by Kendrick Lamar. Pretty good. Loveless by My Bloody Valentine. Uh, decent. Decent. I'm not. As, not a, I. <laughs> You're not a shoegaze head. I had a big shoegaze phase in college. Um, there was a point a couple of years ago where if you'd asked me, I would have really, really been warm on that album. Um, but I've it's kind of lost its luster to me. Um, I've gone back to listening to shitty music. Um, and I learned that uh, the guy, that the My Bloody Valentine guy, like has a collection of antique guitars and he's like a huge nerd ah. about um, the settings of like all these like priceless pieces of history that he's collected. Uh, and how they all sound differently. And on one hand, that's kind of cool. On the other hand, uh, it's it, it's shoegaze. Like <laughs> it, man. I, I'm I'm gonna stop talking before I before I okay. piss off anyone else. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah, our 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 <laughs> listeners who are notably super into shoegaze. I think you'll piss off one guy. There's one guy out there who's like super I'm into so, shoegaze I'm, and is really. I'm sorry off to our one. Him. I'm sorry to our one shoegaze head. I think it's fine. I'm just not. It, it's kind of lost its appeal to me over the years. That's mm. all. Uh, then the next is Seven, which is In Rainbows by Radiohead. Mm-hmm. And, that, and then, good. then Kid A by Radiohead. Pretty good. And then Mad Villainy. Pretty good. Need, need I Say Less? Uh, need I Say More? Whatever. Uh, In the Court of the Crimson King by King Crimson. Really good one. Uh, Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. Also pretty good. Uh, OK Computer by Radiohead. Pretty good. And then the the number one album of all time, according to Rate Your Music, to Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. 
You know, it's been... Pro- I haven't listened to albums since I was in high school, and every time you post about that, I feel guilty about it that I haven't listened to them. So maybe they'll do that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Give another listen to, P- to Pippa Butterfly. It's it's a good album. It's a good art piece. Uh, mm-hmm. But there there's maybe, like, two songs on there that I would, like, put on a playlist and listen to, like, on repeat. Like... Yeah, oh. I I grew up also like on Pink Floyd and like that. I I was a big Pink Floyd and like King Crimson listener growing up. Like so, I'm kind of tuned turned on to like the whole prog long album. There's maybe two singles on it thing. Mm. So I I I do I like that kind of stuff. Um, it's it's not a turn off for me, but it it does make it kind of hard to like slot into a playlist and revisit over the years unless you're going back to it consciously. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed all those albums a lot. Uh, I understand why they would end up being in this website's top 10 of all time. Uh, mm-hmm. I am still standing by my opinion that Dark Side of the Moon is a little overhyped. Like, I I'll, I understand I'll... Wish You Were Here. I understand Wish You Were Here, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. Wish You Were Here is extremely... I, I love both of those albums. I And I will go out on a limb and say that Dark Side of the Moon is probably my favorite out of the two. Uh, but I, I think that it's kind of hard for me to argue against calling something overhyped when it's like Dark Side of the Moon. When it's, when it's something that the cover has been on literally everything that you can print a logo on a uh, hundred thousand times since it came out. So, you know what? I'll let you have that take. Uh, r- random opinion about that album. I think the cash register sounds on money are kind they they feel like they have aged poorly <laughs> man get the fuck out <laughs> we don't gotta do this sh- we don't gotta do this show what's going on here come on come on uh but uh after that i i kind of took a detour i've been re-listening to every album that i've ever purchased on itunes which is <laughs> which is an extreme mixed bag because that includes everything from like 21 pilots full discography at the time of purchase <laughs> um the the two the first two Starbomb albums, uh, uh, and then like stuff like Green Day and uh, My Chemical Romance, uh, pr- like like ninth grade John music taste, which is like a huge I, mixed bag. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like MCR is pretty good. Uh, I think ch- large portions of Green Day's discography have aged pretty well. Uh, not, don't have much kind of say about Starbomb, though. <laughs> don't listen to the Starbomb album. <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, I, I can't. Well, unless, you, unless you're an avid Game Grumps fan in the year 2023, go, go listen to the Starbomb albums if you haven't already. <laughs> great, great. Woo! Um, but yeah, uh, after, after I finished listening to all the albums I purchased, which, after I'm done with the iTunes ones, the next is the Bandcamp ones, and... Pretty much all the Bandcamp ones are just like every Homestuck album. So I'm going to be doing that probably Exciting. like next week. Um, and then after that, I'm going to start listening to albums from the 60s and then the 70s and then just move forward. And I'll have opinions and takes that I'm sure will piss people off. <laughs> We're going to start a music review podcast using all of our... Uh... <laughs> All of our music critic uh, clout that we've accumulated yeah. uh, by saying that Toby Fox's music is good. Yeah. Uh, uh, but besides music stuff, like I said, I've been gaming. I've been playing Destiny 2. 
I've oh jeez. Uh, yesterday was my my girlfriend's birthday, so I got us both the new World of Warcraft expansion. So th- that's that's been the the main thing I've been doing since yesterday was World of Warcraft. You know how it is in MMOs. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Speaking speaking of MMOs, I uninstalled Destiny Two. What? Uh, recently. Did the um, Lightfall has this dude molding. <laughs> I I realized that I was tired of it. Uh, I, I I so well I, I guess so. So I guess I'll not have been. I've been. This this month's been a little bit stressful for me overall. I uh, I've been looking for a new place to live. Uh, we're trying to get that worked out. Um, things have been pretty high stress at my job. That's another situation where I feel like I should probably move hmm. the needle on that uh, before the year is out. Um, but besides that, uh, I had to uninstall Destiny too, just because I realized that I was tired of it and I wanted to do anything else at my gaming time besides Destiny. That's really uh, funny to me because, like, I want to say, like, four or five days ago, uh, me and my girlfriend were talking, and she was like, you know, you, you should really ask Aiden if he wants to do, like, dungeons with us. I, I appreciate <laughs> it. I, I really do appreciate it. Um, and, I, and I send her nothing but love for that sentiment. But I am just, I'm, I'm just sick of it. They, the... I started playing Destiny at a point where, like, they were kind of pulling out the remnants of year one and yeah, the obnoxiousness of it um, and how the story just didn't make any sense and there were no stakes uh, and the characters just felt like alien, like Marvel aliens. Um, and I and I realized that I just feel the same way about the game now. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to do anything else besides play this game anymore. So. Made it made a step that I think is really important in my life, um, and I uninstalled Destiny Two, and I feel a lot better for it. Damn. Um. How How was your four twenty? Uh, and do any do anything fun? Uh, oh yeah, yesterday yeah, you said uh, yeah. right. It was, yeah, yes. uh, of course. Yeah, yesterday was four twenty, as we said at the start. I also just <laughs> said yesterday was my girlfriend's birthday. Uh, <laughs> Happy four twenty. She she, she 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 fortunately has the four twenty birthday, but she also shares a birthday with Hitler and Columbine. So it's a mixed bag. Mixed bag. Uh, but yeah, just just played World of Warcraft all day. That mm-hmm. that was basically it. We we just we just did that. I unfortunately uh, wasn't able to spend my four twenty. Uh, sm- un- unfortunately, um, my four twenty was occupied by my sister. Uh, had her senior art show at her college. Um, yeah, you mentioned that, which was awesome. Uh, I had a really good time. Um, she, I, I guess, uh, humble brag here, uh, but. She won the uh, the award for best portfolio in her graduating oh, class. Oh, nice! And looking at the art show, um, there was a lot of very cool, very talented stuff, very talented artists on display. Mm. Um, but I gotta say, uh, she she beat the competition by a country mile. Uh, very, we're very proud of her. That's 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 great to hear. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you speak about this podcast or me to your family, but send her send her my congratulations. Oh, they, oh, they know, they know. Okay, yay. <laughs> I will. I'll pass it along. Hell yeah. Um. So yeah, that's kind of what uh we've been up to. Um. So yeah. Uh, it's been a, been a minute since we sat back down. Uh, a lot of most of what I've done with my past month has not been uh reading gay homosexual fan fiction. Uh, but Damn. we did manage to uh eke out some time to do that, and so we have we have rejoined today uh to discuss 
uh, my computer wants to restart, and it's really messing with me right We now. completely sk- skimmed over the fact that 4- 413 happened. <laughs> 413 did happen, it, yeah. It um, happened. Uh, we didn't do anything. I've... I, I'm sorry. Uh, I hope everyone had a good one. I straight up forgot to like log into the Twitter and be like happy 413. <laughs> now I'm like too embarrassed to like say anything about it except for right now. It, it, Twitter is dying. Twitter is dying. It's fine. I, I'm. I'm. I'll be honest. Like I'm. I, every time we do one of these and there's Twitter to talk about, uh, I think it's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, regardless. Um. Game Homestuck fanfiction. We did uh, manage to scratch it sometime to come back and read through uh, God Feels 2 Part 2. Yes. Um, the infamous one where uh, June kills all her friends, and people apparently don't like that. Um, so, uh, we read uh, God Feels 2 uh, Part 2, um, and uh, we had an assignment to watch uh, Sarah Zedig's video where she talks about the experience... <laughs> Of writing this. John, did you watch that? Um, listeners, I'm so sorry. <laughs> the thing that was my idea, I didn't do. I, I, forgot, to, I forgot to watch the video. Uh, I'm going to watch it after this so that I get the experience of watching it. Aiden gave me a little recap of it at the start mm-hmm. to, so I can know what I missed the, the, that's yeah. worth talking about in the episode. Uh. But yeah, yeah. Uh, the name of the video, or we, we talked about it uh, last week before we, or last month, <laughs> last week, uh, we talked about it last time, um, it's uh, called uh, What I Learned Writing 50,000 Words of Homestuck Fan Fiction in a Week, um, by Sarah Zedig, her channel is uh, Let's Talk About Stuff, um, I would recommend it, uh, it's very interesting if you are curious about, like, what her thought process is, or, like, what her approach was, we're going into writing, um, this fan fiction, uh, I I watched it, um, and I didn't think that it would make sense to, like, take notes on it and give it, like, a beat-by-beat a beat of a YouTube video yeah, from yeah. an author. Uh, but I wanted to uh, make a couple notes before we go in that um, it, it's a very... The, most of the video is very... It's a uh, very personal account of, like, her talking about how um, she kind of vented, vented or, like, wanted to express parts of her experience uh, as a trans woman... Um, through the character of June Egbert. Um, and she talks about how, uh, like, the fandom perception of June when um, the when it was, like, first became a breakout headcanon, uh, she saw it as very, like, wish-fulfillment-y and very um, saccharine, which is not necessarily a, a bad thing, uh, but she said that, she says in the video that she wanted to, through this fanfiction, uh, explore kind of the darker side of what it was like to her to come out um and explore like how june would react in a world where she didn't get uh validation or acceptance from those around her right so that's uh so she talks about about like where the impulse to write uh this comes from um there's a couple other things in the video that she mentions uh one of the details that i wanted to call out uh because i know that i was i brought this up uh one of the last times um was that uh it seemed to me that uh, Sarah's vision of June is there is like some uh, truth in the ground that like uh, the Vriska aspect of her like that that is like a real thing that is happening in the mechanics of this fanfics universe and it's not just like her adopting uh, Vriska completely as like uh, it's it's not just entirely her doing that basically yes. yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I uh, would recommend checking the video out if you're curious. Um, I There were a couple things in this fic that I think went over my head until I heard her talk about it. Uh, so if you have any, if you're, if you're clueless like me about this stuff and you want to hear somebody talk about, um, some, about like where it comes from internally, I would recommend it. It's, 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 it's very informative. Um, but, uh, besides that, um, do we have anything that we want to go over or into before, uh, I give a recap of what happens in the fic and we talk about what we did and didn't like about it? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. I think we can hop right in. Okay. All right. So, uh, if we'll recall, uh, the previous part of Godfields ended with uh, June coming out to all of her friends and this really awkward scene where all of our beloved uh, homestuck kings and queens uh, react really shittily and uh, people and uh, she doesn't get quite get the uh, coming out part that she had envisioned. So, uh, where we left off... Um, June went to go and drink with Roxy and Calliope at their place. And so that is the scene that we rejoin on uh, as the fic begins. Um, the three of them are seated around a fire outside uh, Roxy and Calliope's RV. Or trailer home. and it's, uh, I don't know why I wrote RV. Uh, I'm thinking about Breaking Bad. Uh, they're sitting around a fire outside uh, Roxy and Calliope's uh, motor home. Uh, and Calliope is roasting marshmallows while the other two drink. Uh, Roxy is already heavily intoxicated, uh, and the chapter begins with her relaying a story about a man harassing her in public for creating an imperfect world, and how uh, she attacked him in retaliation with a chainsaw uh, to get her herself banned from the local library. Uh, so we start out with like this story from Roxy about her... I, I think it's interesting that it starts out with this story of somebody giving Roxy shit, and then she retaliates violently, mm -hmm. and right. then it just con it just continues on to June's story like that, like that was nothing. Um, June's internal dialogue here is belligerent and unfocused. Uh, Godfills 2 is told from the same perspective that it, Godfills, uh, part one kind of ends on, where we're now seeing the story through June's eyes in first person. Um, so June's internal dialogue here is belligerent and unfocused, um, and she begins to consider why she's suddenly begun speaking with Riska's quirk. Uh... She does her best to shrug off these intrusive thoughts uh, and an incoming message from Terezi on her phone to uh, get up and mix herself a heinous mismatch of Everclear and Absinthe to further drown her sorrows. <laughs> don't, uh, kids, don't do this. Have you, have, you, not... have you, Aiden, personally had either of these things? I've had Everclear once. Um, and I've had it, I've tasted Absinthe. I've I, never, I, like, I had Absinthe drank once. Absinthe. I, I drank absinthe. <laughs> uh, I <clears throat> crazy. Uh, yeah, don't don't mix these two things. You you will die. <laughs> I think that absinthe has a time and absinthe has a time and place. Uh, Everclear is only for college students. Who, only for college students. Um, don't don't ever buy Everclear. Uh, I'll put it this way: Everclear is a drink that you are served. It's not a drink that you ever buy. That's my that's my advice on mm -hmm. it. Anyway, uh, June is mixing herself the worst drink known to man. Um, Roxy uh, notes that she seems to be doing poorly, and she asks her how she feels, which uh, sparks June to consider internally uh, an ugly regret at how she treated Jade earlier in the day, uh, and a second anger, which she turns to Roxy to voice out loud. Um, 
is this what being a girl is like? Uh, I've been me for approximately eight hours, and then here comes the goddamn cop squad with all their concerns. Bitch, what about my concerns? How about the concern of the fuck do I do with myself? Um, so June is understandably still, uh, understandably really upset about um, how uh, her experience of figuring herself out, getting this really triumphant uh, moment of self-actualization, and then being brought back down by those around her who aren't ready to see it the same way. Right. Um, June stops uh, her rant to puke, uh, and she grabs the bag of marshmallows from Calliope uh, to try to shut herself up. Uh, and she's intent on finding anything unhealthy to put in her mouth. Um, Roxy takes it away from her gently, uh, to which she chokes out a thanks and asks if she thinks that this whole change of identity thing was a mistake. Uh, Calliope steps in at this point um, to offer their perspective as someone whose independent existence as well was also born out of a struggle. Um, and here she comes in to say, uh, you suggest that you... Uh, this is what, to June saying... Um, should I like do like should I just did I make the wrong choice? Should it should I just crawl back into my cave and put the June thing back on a shelf and should be done with it? Um so Clive did this says, uh you suggest that you have a choice? Well so do I. I can choose to disappear anytime I like. I could do it right now. Uh but I and referencing the ring of life that's keeping her tethered to this plane of existence. Uh but I choose not to because there are people who love me and those who would dearly miss me if I were to disappear again. Do not mourn your existence. The people who have wronged you will feel just as they do whether you loathe yourself or you love yourself. So, Calliope gives some really nice, inspiring words coming from her perspective that I like this bit a lot. Um, June appears to be uplifted by this speech, um, but she isn't given much time to react before Calliope pulls out a comically large red and green lollipop and offers if they would all like to get really fucked up. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> So I I really like the bit from Calliope. Um, I do too. I think that uh, the this is a cool thing to to bring Calliope on to input. Uh, I have not given much thought before to like what being Calliope would be like and being tethered to reality by this by the the ring basically, um, and have this nagging reminder that like you know could be could be here could not at any given at any moment yeah um so i i think that it really it, it works very well i think to have her come in here um and uh and say like hey uh some of us also and some of us also go through this where some of us also go through this um and it's important for you to realize that you shouldn't uh like the, the people who hate you are not like you shouldn't be trying to appease you shouldn't be worried about appeasing them um, you should worry about how you, you yourself process your own existence. So yeah, I like that. It fits with Calliope's backstory. It's thematically relevant. Very good. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving on to chapter two. Uh, go so going into this fic, um, I think the only thing I knew about it, uh, one of our one of our patrons in the patron channel was talking about it. Um, but the only thing I knew about this part was that this is the part of the story where uh, June kills all her friends. So, um, on to chapter two. Ooh, uh, June awakes to a crushing hangover amidst a scene of utter destruction, the details of which we are mostly spared. Um, as soon as she becomes cognizant of her surroundings and the bright sunlight beating, the bright sunlight beating down on her uh, and the wreckage around her, uh, Dirk appears to make everything better. Um, 
as he, as he appears, uh, Dirk starts to co-narrate the story, um, much in the same way that he does in the epilogue style. Um, and uh, June becomes aware of it, and uh, when she asks, hey, what the fuck are you doing, he denies that he's doing anything. Um, the Dirk... So, okay, I'll, I'll get into the description. But, uh, Dirk to June demands uh, to know what has happened to Roxy. Um, June has no recollection of what happened the previous night. So to jog her memory, uh, Dirk hands her, her over his phone uh, with a collection of photos on it to help uh, piece together a narrative of what happened. Um, it starts with uh, various small, various scenes of small-scale destruction and vandalism amongst the con the consort kingdom. Um, it escalates to this: uh, Dave and Rose's houses uh, have been attacked. Uh, I believe Rose had a tree put through her bedroom window, and Dave's roof was blown off. Um, there was vandalism left on Dave's house that said "I love you, car cat." Uh, and most troublingly, uh, Jade's lab appears to be completely gone, and uh, Jane's Crocker Corp headquarters seems to have been knocked over, and the 75-story skyscraper has laid waste to a substantial amount of urban sprawl underneath it. And last of all is a photo of June flying across an innocent mountain range, carrying Roxy in her arms, captioned, You'll never find her without me. So this is quite a troubling revelation uh, to June in her uh, hungover state. Um... During this sequence, also, uh, Dirk takes over the narration while June is distracted, uh, which gives him a chance to play up uh, her remorse and her fears in the narration as she scrolls through it. Um, so yeah, this is all a huge shock to June, uh, and as Dirk, Dirk take, turns his attention back to her and takes his phone back, uh, she panics and zaps out of the scene. Uh, away from Dirk's inquisition, uh, June takes a moment to check her phone herself. Uh, she digs past a collection of notifications from local news about her attack the previous night, and she finds Terezi's message that she blew off the night before. Uh, and she goes to answer it. So, June answers Terezi in, uh, I don't know if there's a formal way, I don't know if there's a, a formal or a fanon term for it, but I'm gonna call it the evil clown black text. <laughs> um, Terezi is really excited to hear about, uh, June's gender revelation. Um, but June isn't and it doesn't appear to be in a state to share a good mood. Uh, when she questions why June is using Viscous Quirk now, uh, June goes on this vengeful diatribe about how she doesn't appreciate hearing others' concerns without being, the, without being given the respect she deserves. Kind of unwarranted to Terezi. Um, she just kind of lets this all out. Uh, a lot of people have been telling me their concerns today. I'm concerned that none of these people really appreciate exactly who it is they are dealing with. I'm concerned that if I really want them to hear me, the only option will be to fuck some shit up. Uh, so she... Delivers this rant uh, to an unsuspecting Terezi, and then closes her phone and panics and realizes that she might have fucked up. Um, she calls around uh, her circle of immediate contacts um, and finds every line dead, with the exception of Rose's phone, who, which is eventually picked up by Kanaya, who only has time to shout half a death threat uh, before she hangs up. Um, Dirk flies in from out of nowhere uh, to continue his piece as well. Uh, June and Dirk briefly struggle before Dirk overpowers her, um, and with his sword to her throat, uh, he gives her an ultimatum to go back and retcon it and fix this mess, um, lest he be forced to kill her and strand himself in a timeline where all of his friends are dead. Uh, June agrees, um, and she zaps back to the moment the night before, right before she accepts the juju, uh, rips it from Calliope's hands, uh, throws it in the fire, 
screams, do not under any circumstances give me that fucking lollipop, and passes out. What a what a frightening chapter. <laughs> I- indeed, indeed. Um, Dirk is. Uh, <laughs> I-, I know that we've talked t- at length about uh, about villain Dirk, um, but like, uh, <laughs> D- Dirk just being like D- Dirk in this story being like basically a stand-in for just like a- a genocidal anti-transness is pretty rough. Yeah. Um, As somebody who has liked Dirk at various points, it's a little bit difficult to process. Um, But at the same time, I I think that if if we need a villain, uh, Dirk works pretty well here. Um, I think that one of the more... One of the things that I like uh, the most about this part of the fanfic in particular is how it plays with the narration. Hmm. Um... I think Dirk, whenever Dirk comes in and he starts to uh, kind of undercut and try to we like, it, it reads to me that whenever Dirk is present and narrating, he's really trying to, he's working to undermine, uh, working to undermine June um, and like try to sow seeds of fear and remorse in her. Um, kind of the same way that we saw him talk to uh, like manipulate Jake in the epilogues. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's good. I think it's effective. And I think that the way that it continues to do that later uh, with the later chapters is cool and homestuck and I like what it does with the source material. Um, let's see. Chapter three. All right. Uh, anything you want to uh, jump in with before chapter three? Nah. I'll save my thoughts until the, the end of the summary. All right. Okay, so uh, continuing from after June went back and corrected her catastrophic fuck-up from the night before. Uh, June awakes again, uh, this time to a vastly more welcome scene. Uh, she's in Calliope and Roxy's trailer home uh, in a universe where her friends are still alive, and blessedly there are pancakes on their way. So you couldn't really get much better than this. Uh, June's wounds from her trickster rampage uh, and fight with Dirk are still present. Uh, which kind of brings us to the mechanics of the retcon in this story. Uh, it, it seems it's 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 it, it, or blah, 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 blah. how do I explain this? Um, there's not a ton of uh, we, there's not like a ton of time spent uh, preoccupied with the mechanics of each retcon. Uh, usually, when retcons happen in this ch- in this fic, uh, at this point, um, we just kind of. We're, we're, we're following the same June along, and any characters that accompany her are the same iterations of those characters, uh, and there's not a ton of worry given to the prior versions of June uh, on any of these scenes. I don't have a problem with this. Um, a, I was thinking about it earlier and how weird it is, and then I realized that previous versions of John are basically treated with the same reverence whenever John goes back and retcons for the Homestuck, yeah. so I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, me either. But I wanted to uh, I wanted to get that out there before I remember it later, and I'm like, okay, also things are fucky because of this. Anyway, um, her wounds from her tricks are rampage and her fight with Dracul present, um, but she's been bandaged up while unconscious this time. Uh, breakfast rejuvenates her, um, but she feels a pang of loneliness at seeing the cute domestic interplay between Roxy and Calliope uh, that they share over the meal. Um. 
Roxy and Calliope take notice that June is rough the hell up, and they inquire over what the hell happened the night before. Uh, but before she can offer any explanation, um, they're interrupted by a knock at the door. Uh, Jane has come to visit to heal June's injuries by Roxy's request. Uh, the life player incorrectly addresses June one and a half times, um, and June registers her self-correction in this conversation as characteristically condescending, but it does seem that, uh, from this, it does seem that Jane means well, and I think that there's meant to be some recognition on June's part that, uh, she's trying, even though she's being really kind of awkward and, um, a little bit annoying about it. At least that, that, that's what I read from it. Um, I apologize if I got that wrong and I've committed a microaggression. Uh, while healing June, uh, Jane also begins to question uh, where those injuries come from. Um, before, again, a second knock on the door interrupts them all, and none other than Dirk walks in. Uh, at this, uh, June silently panics uh, while her friends all make small talk amongst themselves. Um, Dirk is casual and friendly with the others. Um, and when he turns his attention to June, uh, she offers a jumbled explanation of her recent coming out and, uh, how great she feels and how she's up to, uh, how she's definitely not up to anything bad, um, at the, at the present time. Uh, June is really freaked out by Dirk being here, uh, which is understandable. Dirk is being coy and just, you know, he's, Dirk, Dirk is being, uh, giving her room to freak out about this basically. Uh, he makes an insanely weird and ominous remark at her explanation. Um, June, I like that. Uh, I like the sound of that. Sounds like the name of someone a complacent man might easily underestimate. Uh, June is stunned at this, uh, and even Roxy registers it as weird as hell and tells him to back off. Uh, Jane, finish uh, Jane finishes the process of healing June's arm and uh, turns back to the group. Um, June perceives some animosity between Jane and Roxy as they say their goodbyes, and Jane makes another jab at, Jane makes a jab at Roxy for living in a trailer home, and Roxy is like, Jane, please, let's not do this, and, uh, June observed this as the opposite of whatever Roxy and Calliope held earlier over breakfast. Um, when Jane turns to address June, uh, she restates her offer from the previous night, uh, about feminizing pharmaceuticals and expresses remorse for June uh, and she hopes that her friends will soon come around and stop behaving like quote-unquote a gaggle of myopic little toads. Uh, great line. I think Jane would say this. Agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, at this point, uh, Roxy and Calliope excuse themselves to go and collect clothes for June to try on this morning, uh, leaving her alone with Dirk. Uh, June sits there, awkward and terrified for a minute, um, trying to make small talk and reassure herself that uh, if Dirk were here to pose a threat, he would have done something already, and it's probably okay. Uh, let's not worry about it before he steps in again with the orange narration and uh, reassures her that, in fact, she has plenty to worry about. Um, he explains that his meta-narrative awareness uh, might not give him a memory of whatever happened between the, the uh, in a different version of this morning. Um, but that this version of Dirk uh, simply couldn't help overhearing the panicked internal monologue of a young woman haunted by the blood that still stains her hands. Uh, Damn. In his own words. Ugh, ugh. Uh, 
in narration, uh, Dirk describes June's total fear of him in this moment, um, really trying to capture his own control of the situation. Uh, it's really slimy and freaky, um, and I, I, I don't like it. I don't like reading it. Um, <laughs> in in a complimentary way, in in, a, in and I mean that as a compliment. Um, uh, and he gives her a speech uh, that I've carved out some highlights from that basically seems to be him saying, uh, why don't you crawl back in that closet before it comes a problem? Um, he says, uh, whatever you did now exists only as a hypothetical. I think it's transparently obvious why you should keep these things a secret. My suggestion to you is that you take a close look at yourself and reflect on the possibility that you may have invited something into your life which may prove to be irreconcilably hostile. I'll be watching you, Greenheitbert very closely so yeah dirk just kind of says i know that you did something you feel really guilty about um and i think that uh you should just not engage with why you might have wanted to do this and keep this a secret and uh reflect on whether coming out was a good idea at least that's how i read it it's yeah. very gross um very na it's it's very nasty uh i really i i really hate reading matt walsh dirk it's very unpleasant <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah uh dirk gives this very nasty diatribe to june uh while roxy and calliope are gone um they come back into the room uh a couple of moments after he's done saying this to her uh, and he takes a chance to excuse himself, um, but not before shooting June an ominous final remark on the way out, indicating that he expects something out of this. Uh, he says, you know what they say about idle hands. Um, I believe the turn of phrase is the idle hands, the devil's plaything is what he's referring to, which is uh, that adds kind of another weird dimension to it. Um, I'm going to I'm going to chalk that up. The, that, that, that adds another dimension to Matt Walsh Dirk. Um pretty gross thing to say um so june is sitting there freaked the fuck out uh but droxy and clappy are unaware of the tension that's been going on so the two of them offer june a shower and a selection of girls clothes that they've just picked out for her to choose from um the moment that june has a moment of pri has some privacy in the bathroom she breaks down terrified of her own propensity for hurting people and the present situation with dirk she collects herself and takes a shower, um, and after showering, uh, the sight of herself in the mirror again uh, sends her reeling and questioning once again if this is all worth it. Um, she shaves, and she tries on some of the clothes the others gave her, uh, but they just don't feel resonant with her. Um, uh, another quote, um, I want these clothes to be me, all they reveal is who I'm not. Uh, her internal monologue, it, it, yeah, um, I, 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 it's, yeah. The, the process of June, like, figuring out who she is, is, um, there, there's a lot of good quotes in there. Uh, that was one I liked a lot. Um, her internal monologue starts to spiral as she tries to shut out the memories of her retcon rampage. Um, most of the details of which we are still, uh, we're never really given most of the details of it. Um, and I think that that's a, a, a wise decision. I think it, it, it makes it seem even more horrible, um, and kind of adds the weight of it that, uh, through narration. We're not even given a window into it through narration. Mm. Um, uh, so, yeah, she begins to spiral as she thinks about this um, before she's a moment of clarity and she decides that her best course of action here, it will be to really work through her feelings in her head and stop running away from it and shutting it out as an instinctive response. 
um, June acknowledges that she hurt and killed her friends because in that moment, um, even under the influence of the trickster drug and all the alcohol, uh, that was what she wanted on some level. Uh, and she recognizes that she has this impulse inside of her. Um, she understands that it was wrong uh, to act on it and that it was by no means justified. Um, but she can admit to herself that it happened. Um, she undid it and no harm, no foul at this point. Only she and Dirk at this point know what happened. Mm. Um, and she can move forward with her life as a result of this. Um, she considers how she can more effectively process her own emotions um, with this understanding that up to this point, uh, her personality has been founded. The, the John half of her personality was founded on denying her own desires. And now she's brought a part of herself in Vriska in who is all about fulfilling whatever desires she has through whatever extravagant violence may be necessary and the, the danger associated with that. Um, and she decides that she needs to start making some choices about who she'll be remembered as. And, um, she sets to remaking her appearance in the mirror. Uh, after this, uh, we cut to Roxy and Calliope, uh, back out in the living room, the main area, uh, watching this universe's bizarre sounding Family Matters <laughs> season nine finale, uh, when June re-enters the scene, um, uh, shocking uh, to Calliope and Roxy, uh, June has reimagined her own appearance in the image of Riska, uh, complete with a the the, the whole getup, the red converse, the cut off uh, jacket, the sleeve the, the the jacket with the cut off sleeves, um, and a mohawk cut, and even a freshly retconned tattoo. Um, Calliope is offended uh, at their snubbed hospitality at first, um, but June explains that. All the feminine stuff that they gave her didn't feel right, um, and that she felt more natural styling herself after her patron troll. And Calliope, at this, quickly comes around and acquiesces to it. Um, Roxy, uh, at this point, is thrilled that June is expressing herself, and she's very happy for her. Uh, later that day, um, Dirk is walking home from his visit to Roxy and Calliope's, and uh, June tracks him down to give him a nasty surprise. Uh, she takes him by ambush and beats the hell out of him before zapping him to the mouth of an active volcano to deliver her own ultimatum to him. Uh, she realizes that he must be afraid enough of her to try to intimidate her. He should understand that he has every reason to be afraid of her, and she just wants to live her life without him in her way. And uh, here we get the reveal of her new tattoo through Dirk's eyes after he she throws him to, back to the ground. Um, the words uh, set in stone uh, on her arm. Uh, which is described as a reminder that everything that happens to her uh, for like what the things that happened to her um, form her and yeah. like define her. So yeah, um, moving on to chapter four. Uh, unless there's anything you want to bring up before the end, before we uh, finish the recap. No. Nah. All right. Okay. Um, chapter four. Uh, moving on from Dirk. Um, June, uh, has, she's now standing outside of her old childhood house, um, and working through the fear to return. Um, she describes her house as a mausoleum of her childhood memories, uh, and she's scared to return to it and surround herself with, uh, all these pieces of a childhood that she doesn't identify with anymore. Um, 
her dialing on her doorstep is interrupted uh, by a message from her phone uh, from Jade asking to talk. Uh, June spins internally at this, um, torn between her John-esque impulse to let it go and offer up an apology she doesn't mean, uh, and her risk impulse to ignore it. Uh, Jade be damned. What did she do to have to, to apologize for this? She reconciles this by telling Jade that she doesn't think it would be a good idea right now. And she's about to leave when the space player materializes across the street to chase her down in person. Uh, when Jade asks her how she is, her mind races before coming to the conclusion that the best thing she can do to ensure that Jade isn't among those who fear her is for her to be one who hates her. Um, she starts to, talk, to turn away, um, not answering Jade's questions, uh, but Jade demands answers. Um, why ghost her when radio silence has proven not to work? That's a pretty John thing to do. Yeah. Uh, Jade is desperate to know what she can do to make things right. Um, June realizes that she's falling into back to her old patterns of avoiding conflict and hoping things to work themselves out, and she finally apologizes to Jade for being distant. Um, and the two finally get back on good terms, which is wonderful to see, and I'm sure that it won't be horribly short-lived. <laughs> um, as they make up, uh, the pair is shocked when they're attacked out of nowhere by Terezi, uh, flying in from above. Um... Terezi uh, lands with the, the classic jetpack um, crash landing and uh, turns to June and demands to know what the hell is going on. Uh, seemingly still remembering the text conversation that they had just had that June thought that she had racked out of existence. Um, June panics here and mishandles the situation and uh, her first response is to equip the Warhammer of Zillihu and deliver a crushing blow to Terezi, which... Damn! You know? <laughs> Damn! Damn. <laughs> uh, this, this is horrifying. Um, she ki- So, yeah, June if, accidentally kills her in retaliation first, um, retcons it, uh, hurriedly retcons it, and after a couple of retcons, is able to handle the situation of Terezi flying in uh, and interrupting her and Jade's conversation in a way that doesn't immediately kill one of them. Um... Jade also, Jade at this, uh, seeing Terezi's back, wants to know what the fuck is going on as well. Um, to which Terezi, uh, shares with her the message that she got from June in, um, from June the other morning. Uh, Jade is horrified to see this, um, she's really upset to learn that June has the, that urge in her, or that there was ever a timeline where that could happen. Um, and, uh, Jade also, she, she asks uh she brings up the, uh, that um all that uh june had mentioned before that she had gone back and retconned things before and uh is evidently horrified at the idea of whatever that uh horrified at the possibility that june is able to just inflict horrible violence like this uh not um and retcon it uh to none the wiser of the rest of them and jade can't deal with this right now and she disappears uh vanishes herself from the scene uh, June, uh, so June left with Terezi, um, turns to her, uh, and is just like, what the fuck is going on? Um, she asks if Vriska also dealt with the stream of tribulation this constant. Uh, Terezi, uh, who was pre- Terezi flew in with a murderous intent to deal with June, um, having heard that she hurt uh, the, the rest of the, the uh, after seeing her messages. Um, Terezi, uh, is at this moment, like, momentarily pacified because, uh, June was describing 
punching over a skyscraper and Trezzy was like, oh, that's really, that's really awesome. Tell me more about it. Um, so yeah, June turns to Trezzy, asks her if Riska also dealt with the stream of tribulation this constant after Jade disappears. Um, Trezzy says, uh, yeah, kind of, being a troll was pretty rough, but she's curious to hear more details on June's transformation. Um, and she asks her to take a picture for her to get a closer look at. So June takes a selfie for the blind children of praise, um, which she surveys approvingly, uh, in, in Terezi fashion. Um, and Terezi confirms that she won't kill her. Uh, and at this point even begins to flirt with June, which sends her again, internally spiraling with embarrassment and excitement. Uh, before June can really process her emotions, um, and what's going on here, uh, Jade reappears, accompanied by the Striders. Um, Dave proclaims that Jade and Dirk, uh, filled each other in on the danger that June represents, and that they've come to type a liability for her, for their own safety, uh, aka, kill their friend. Um, furious, uh, June prepares to retaliate, but an unexpected shushbat from Terezi calms her down, and she removes the two of them from the, conversa from the conversation before things can escalate. Uh, June uses one more retcon to return her and Terezi to the moment right before uh, Jade appeared, and hides the two of them in the sky to watch uh, Jade search, this, search the street and the house for her sister. Um, they remark while watching this that this is really sad, and June agrees that the universe must just have something out for Jade. Uh... She wonders what is to be done with the imminently arriving past Terezi, um, and Terezi jokes that they'll probably have to kill her. Uh, June is really upset at this prospect, um, and Terezi ribs her that her, uh, knowing, knowing herself, um, her past self has probably realized by now that she's lost the hypothetical coin toss and gone back to look for Briska, um, and that she just really wanted to see how June would react to the, uh, possibility of having to kill her. Uh... Terezi reassures June that she's familiar with the circuit brand of retaliatory violence, um, and that she doesn't judge her for harboring violent feelings of resentment or that having that possibility inside of her. Um, Terezi, however, while not being in a judgmental mood, is starving and demands June Princess carry her into her house like one of those pathetic human wives and provide her sustenance. <laughs> uh, the troll girl's presence soothes June's prior reservations about entering her old house, and she obliges. Um, chapter five. Uh, in the morning, uh, June awakes to find, uh, next to Terezi in her childhood bed. Uh, she looks at the still sleeping troll and she notices her generally disheveled and starved appearance. Uh, her skin looks really pallid. Um, her horns even look unhealthy and flaking. Uh, and it occurs to June how much Terezi was willing to put herself through in blind pursuit of the chance to see Briska again. Um, but all the times that June, as John, asked her to come back and visit, uh, and how fruitless those were. And she isn't sure how to feel about that. Um, she leaves to go to the bathroom to clean herself up, and, uh, in the mirror surveys the landscape of bruises and imperfections that cover her body. Um, she wonders to herself, uh, if she was supposed to remain nothing more than the sum of her parts. Uh, a depressed boy rotting alone in an empty house, and an angry alien girl forever stuck in the void, marching to her own demise. Um, she starts to shave herself, uh, and as she shaves her body hair, she considers how easy it would be to respond to her present situation like either John or Briska would, and concludes that she needs to figure out how to mediate these two sides of her personality. 
Um, later in the day, uh, June sits alone in the kitchen and tries to work out her desires over a pen and paper. Um, she reduces it down to two governing urges. Uh, first to be remembered and to be feared, at least by some, notably excluding Jade. Uh, she feels that the desire to be feared is maybe, some would say, a bit of a sus desire. And so she probes internally and contemplates these further. It feels uh, she doesn't like the feeling of wanting to be feared. Um, and as she thinks about it some more, she realizes that she would rather be loved overall. Um, but for those, of the, uh, for those out there who are violently intolerant, such as the Dirks of the world, uh, she does want those people to, to be afraid of her. Uh, the people who would do everything, who would act and use their power to try to deny her, uh, to, deny, to try to deny her existence. Uh, likewise, she would rather be remembered for making the world a better place than for fear to be her legacy and for that to be what she would be remembered for. Hmm. Um, satisfied that she's come up with a proper direction for her dangerous impulses, or at least the things that she, for her, yeah, yeah. Satisfied with a proper direction for her dangerous impulses, um, she takes a step back and considers what it is that makes her a dangerous person in the first place. Um, she compares herself to Dark and Jade and their relationship with power uh, to illustrate. Uh, Jade, being somebody who's tremendously powerful but unmotivated to use that power, um, is comparatively much less dangerous than someone like Dirk, who is comparatively not as strong, lacking in the raw power department, but uh, has the motivation to and understanding other people to manipulate them to get what he wants. Um, she sees her, June sees herself as someone with power and motivation, but lacking direction. And she sees that lack of direction as dangerous in itself and the product or you know, the, uh, what would the word for that be? Um, the, uh... she sees it as a, a, something that could enable dangerous behavior Um like her rampage from the other night and she wants to try to uh bring herself together and focus and to avoid that happening in the future um and she sees that uh, also in her current state uh powerful motivated and lacking direction uh not only does she pr uh pose a danger to others but she doesn't stand well to compete against someone like dirk whose goal is extremely precise and is already working against her. Um, and she resolves to make a plan of her own to address this. Uh, but she is interrupted. So, uh, Trezzy appears from upstairs, uh, teasing June and soliciting her for nutrition and or sexual favors. Um, she takes notice of the list that June is preparing and asks about it. Um, June explains that after the chaos of the last few days, uh, and what she's learned about her own impulsiveness and her new mortal enemyship with Dirk, uh, she wants to ground herself and make a plan before doing anything else. Uh, Tracy is excited to be on board with this, and she offers some perspective on June's difficulty with self-control. Um, she supposes that the part of June uh, that she borrows from Vriska is maybe the same half of Vriska as the Vriska that she knew from the meteor, uh, before she learned to quote-unquote chill and unlearn the violent fascist programming that trolls are raised with. Um... And Terezi is willing to offer June some amnesty on taking more than a week to go through that process herself. Uh, they agree that this makes no sense, um, but Terezi declares worrying about it to be not worthwhile. Uh, she declares it a quote-unquote morally grub-tier navel-gazing loose as shit. Or, 
to angst about the murders that June hasn't committed or the questionable ethics instilled by her in a instilled in her by a past life as an alien. Uh, June is still sensitive to the direct comparisons to Friska, um, and she asked Terezi uh, straightforwardly, "Are you here for me or for her? Uh, because if you're here for her, I think you're going to be disappointed." Uh, Terezi responds in kind with another question, um, asking why it is that June has adopted Frisco's quirk. And June explains that it just feels natural to her, but she doesn't think that she's the same person, necessarily. Uh, Quote-unquote, I remember her life the way, the same way that I remember John's, as part of this dreamy haze. Uh, but they aren't my memories, not really. As much as I'm a mix of both Frisco and John, there's more to me than them. Uh, and she thinks others uh, will see this as uh, her being inhabited by an invasive and malevolent spirit, or, uh, in other words, being sick with a case of the Vriskas. <laughs> June wonders if there's even a point to going on, to continuing, um, realizing that she, has, she still doesn't know how or if she can ever win back the friends who turned on her. Uh, she begins to sink into despair before Terezi brings her back to reality and drills into her why she came back. Um, and, uh, in this part, Terezi delivers this impassioned rant, uh, opening up, and it goes from the normal dialogue format, uh, into that shared narration space, um, like with Dirk, but Terezi is a much more positive presence and is much more open about herself here. So, Terezi opens up to June and to the reader about, uh, why she spent so long out there and what it is that Vriska and ultimately June now means to her. Um, so this is Terezi describing her, this is Terezi describing her, her, what's been going on with her herself. She spent so long looking for Vriska because she couldn't stand the thought of being around a gaggle of idiots who just don't get it. Who don't get what it's like to love someone you hate or why you can't let them go. She looked for Vriska because she had to believe that the Vriska she knew had grown up and learned the weight of hurting people. Because Terezi still struggled to know that for herself. And for her, Vriska was, among many things, a mirror she used to measure her own quality. And then, skipping ahead a bit, when June asks her why she came back, um, Tracy continues, uh, She was angry. Then she was desperate. Then she was surprised. And then she was hopeful because she thought she might have finally found someone else who got it. Tracy felt that June might have the same understanding of what Vriska meant to her, and she wanted to share in that. Uh, Tracy gives June another comforting brush on the cheek, lightening the mood, um, bringing her a bit out back above her funk. Uh, she starts to flirt again. Uh, Proposition to June that if she spends all day stressing about the more ramifications of being alive and whether or not it's even worth going on, she might miss out on the chance to have sex with her. Whoa. Uh, June splutters. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Uh, readers uh, or listeners, there there is a there is a chapter of this fan fiction that we have chosen not to do on the show. Um, you can check it out if you want. Uh, it's there. Um, June splutters at this, uh, and Terezi moves in. Uh, the two barely get a chance to enjoy themselves before June freaks out and starts crying again. Um, suddenly uh, upset that with herself that even at a moment like this, um, that she's been denied for so long, that she's been that she's not even let herself consider that she might deserve, uh, she can't enjoy it, and she feels like as a result of that, she just still doesn't deserve it. Um, Tracy comforts her, um, and she reassures her that this pain won't last forever. And she says that the first step in healing the gaping emotional wound in her chest is acknowledging that it's there. Uh, she uses a metaphor about walking around your whole life with a knife in your chest. Um, and she describes it as like 
uh, every day you get you get used to walking around with the, with the knife sticking out of your chest, and people might even observe it, and they might say, "Hey, you look like you have a knife in your chest." And the whole your whole time, you're like, "That's fine, whatever." Um, but you reach a point where it becomes too much, and you can't deal with it. And the only thing you can do is to get the knife out and work on it from there. And hearing this metaphor, uh. June realizes that Terezi is basically confiding to her that she's also the troll equivalent of a trans woman. Um, she, Terezi confirms this, uh, and she confesses that uh, Vriska was also instrumental in her coming out, uh, in, in her coming out process, um, which surprises June to learn this. Um, and she also is, uh, well, June, June is surprised to learn this, um, along with the revelation that Vriska herself was trans as well. And this revelation of compatriotship seems to bring her mood back up significantly. Uh, the two of them rise from the kitchen floor, um, and this time it's June who returns to Rezzy's fuck you with playful flirting. Several hours later, uh, the two of them sit outside in the yard, uh, revealing their plans for the immediate future. Um, Terezi asks June if she's sure this is what they want to do, and when June asks the same of her, uh, they both affirm to each other that yes, this is what they want. Um, the chapter ends asking what could possibly go wrong. What could possibly go wrong? All right, so that's th- that. That's what happens in it. All the characters uh, John. are trans. No, they're turning them all trans. Ah, they're turning the freaking trolls gay. <laughs> uh, what? What? What did you think? What did you think of this? Um. Well, there are parts that I like. Um, I, okay. I have less complaints this time. Uh. My my experience with it this time is it felt like the the fanfic itself was was confronting the things that I was complaining about last time. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I like all the Terezi stuff. I like everything Terezi has to say about Vriska. the 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 last chapter is like really good. Um, I again thought the the Jade stuff was good. Uh, yeah. I want more Jade stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I I think that Jade continues to be um, a, a, a really good part of this. Uh, I like June's remark to herself of like, it seems the universe just has it out for Jade. I think that's kind of true. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, I I um, I'm hopeful to I'm I'm hopeful that there can be some kind of uh, happy resolution with um jade that doesn't end with her siding with dirk uh i think that's really messed up that's a really messed up thing to consider um things i liked things i liked uh i i we said it earlier but i i i like the way calliope was used mm-hmm. i, I like the stuff calliope had to say um it's it's cool to see uh meta-narratively aware Dirk again in, in mm-hmm. something that's not the epilogues. Uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see where that goes because I feel like that when, when you introduce something like that, it's got to be used in a way. Yeah. Uh, I think it's... Um, I appreciate that, like, well, on one hand, I said, like, I, uh, the transphobic Dirk is, like, you know, really icky and just feels gross to read uh just because i like dirk mm. um but i think that he does also make a good villain i think that dirk is 
the, the epilogue's vision of Dirk where he's stepping into the narration and uh, using his abilities to manipulate people and turn them against each other and turn them against themselves. I, I, I think that that all works really great, and I like to see it adapted from... Uh, I like to see that concept adapted uh, from the epilogues. Yeah. Um, something that I'm interested in seeing where it goes, I, I don't know if I like it yet, uh, we, we we did see a little bit of recklessness with the retcon powers in Homestuck proper, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been like ramped up a bit, and I'm interested to see where it goes with that, especially with with Dirk have it having awareness, a little bit of awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, because June is being a little bit reckless and inconsiderate with the retcon powers. Uh, she's got this this idea that like the retconning is, is like the the like the way Jade reacts to okay. it. <laughs> like you, you know you know what I mean. Uh, like like uh yeah like June kind of has this approach to the retcon powers as like this get out of jail free card a bit to, I think to, to me it's reminding me of the way uh Dirk acts in Meat the the way Dirk was kind of like puppeteering and being like super inconsiderate of of like tr- treating the people he knew as like actual people mm-hmm. uh they were more like playthings to him. And and I, I I'm feeling like a similar thing going on here with June, uh, mm-hmm. where their autonomy isn't really re- really being taken into account here. Where like she makes a mistake, and, and I get the whole she killed him. Uh, and th- that's like a big one where like yeah, you would probably <laughs> want to undo that. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. I'm interested to see if she's going to continue using the retconning a little willy nilly. Uh. Those I'm are- kind of curious as to how you process, um, or like what you think of uh, the the violent side of June. Um, that like I'm I'm curious as to what your perspective, like if you have any thoughts on uh, like that- how we how we're introduced to her risk impulse and how they're being handled and like um, dealt with. That that really is the elephant in the room, isn't it? Um, I'm I'm a little not on board with it right now. Uh, like it, it is very jarring for for the first instance of it to be, she kills all of her friends. I will not disagree with you there. Uh, the The first instance being all of her friends are dead is it's 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 a little extreme, but it gets it gets the story where it needs to be. Yeah. So I'll give it that. The with with Vriska killing her friends in Homestuck. The, the mm-hmm. whole thing there is that she has, like, really not good relationships with, like, the people that she kills. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who all did she kill again? She kills Tavros. Oh, my God. Uh, she's Every, so... Everyone died on the meteor, so it's, like, hard to remember who killed who. Uh, Gamzee killed... I think Gamzee was responsible for most of those. Uh, Vriska kills Tavros? Um... Does she kill anybody else in the meteor? Is it uh, just Tavros? <laughs> let me think. So Gamzee kills Equus and Nepeta. Um and Who did Briscoe uh, kill? Kanaya kills Aridan. 
<laughs> I need to look at all the trolls and like survey who died, like just like cross out who died. But I I think that Riska may have only killed. Is it just Tavros? Uh, okay, I think so. Um. Okay, so we know about on the, the meteor <laughs> killed Tavros in the meteor killed uh, unnamed un unspecified number of other trolls to feed Spider Mom. Uh, but yeah, the the the, the personal ones are kind of limited to Tavros, I think. Yeah. Um, and we we know like the reasoning behind why Vriska kills. Uh, especially mm-hmm. with the unnamed trolls, uh, Tavros just kind of had it coming, you know? Uh, <laughs> um, but... We- I think, well, I think there's also an interesting conversation to be had with, like, Tavros, I, I, I don't know, why Vriska kills Tavros. That was mostly like- a joke. He, did, he, he didn't have it coming. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, with, with June, it's just kind of a hard pill to swallow, that that like sure she was she was on the she was on the lollipop we know how people get when they're on the lollipop uh <laughs> i i don't know i just can't i just can't get on board with this idea of in in an inebriated rage she she kills all of her friends mm-hmm. um yeah I, I you finish, sorry. I feel like that we 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 I don't know. It's hard to talk about. Like <laughs> I don't know. I I, 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 I there there's like a weird speciesism going on with me here where like if 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 Vriska kills a troll, like yeah, that's fine. Who who cares? But uh, but a human killing another human? Uh, let's let's pump uh. the brakes a bit. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, w- one of the things that I did get from um, Sarah's uh, video talking about what Brian this was like was that a lot of this was like her trying to work through her uh, her own uh, feelings of anger um, with some of her own experiences with the people t- who ghosted her in her own ex- when she came out in real life. Um, so it-, it makes sense. It makes sense to me a little bit that uh, having seen that that Jumakov is a bit out of character here. Um, and I agree that I don't know if I entirely buy that, um, that this would happen, that this would be a thing that the character would do. Hmm. Um, on the other hand, uh, it's, it, I, I don't feel like I'm in the place to say that it's bad or that it was a wrong choice either. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely jarring. Um, what, what do you think about the way that, uh, she goes on to, like, introspect on it, um, and, like, not rationalize it, but come to terms with it just as a thing that happened. Yeah. Or, as, I guess, more actually as a thing that didn't happen. I, 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 I do like that she introspects on it. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that means she's, there's a person in there. <laughs> She she, ca- yeah, she it, cares about what she's capable of. It would be, it would be a lot more disturbing if she killed all her friends and then wasn't remorseful about it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's it's a weird feeling thing for me. I think, but I can accept it. Uh, but it definitely kind of moves it a little bit from the territory of, uh, like I am having a hard time kind of like congealing this with the. Egbert that I know and love, like this yeah. is maybe not the version of the character that I have an attachment to, um, but 
I am still invested in the story because I think it's entertaining uh, and I like the other stuff it's doing with it. But yeah, I, I guess my my main thing that it, that uh, I, I my main negative thing I have to say is I'm I'm just like not totally sold on like this being an in character version of uh, what it would it would be what June would be like. Yeah. But, uh, I I like the I like what it's doing with this with this distinct character. Um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh you, what else? you 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 had said it, that that in the video, like there there, it said that like parts of this are like venti. Yes. Uh, and I can see that, and especially with a character like Egbert. Uh, who is notably a paper thin character in Homestuck proper, uh, and is kind of just in a constant state of having things said to him. Uh, and yeah, never, he's just kind of there to just just kind of there to make things happen and not really have an opinion on it and just kind of go with the flow of the plot. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a very easy character to like use as a conduit to you know vent through. But, mm-hmm. but, you know, even, even if, even if the, the, the drunken murder spree <laughs> is, a, is, is a, a little venti moment, uh, that doesn't mean I have to like it. <laughs> That's very fair. That's very fair. Um, another thing from the video, I guess, like, to, to, to be completely fair to, uh, to Sarah, to the, the fic, um, another thing that she brings up in the video is that, uh, in her vision of in this her version of june that she's telling the story about Mm. like there is a real synthesized part of riska in there okay so it's not uh, this is not like exclusively meant to come from something that john would do or egbert would do rather but that um yeah i'm still i I don't know i I don't know i'm not i don't consider myself enough a riska expert to make a statement on whether i think that riska would or would not kill a bunch of people uh for not accepting her as trans hmm. um but the, the, i think the, the important part of the story is like that is the process by which that june like grapples with that and yeah, yeah. refocuses it and i think that that is more important um i think that the i think that the point like i i, I would wager that a big point of like her killing all her friend call, killing all her friends is the extremeness of it um, like I was talking about earlier, uh, like the lack of a specific description for most of it. Um, we are, there, there are a couple of places, uh, like when she's, um, in the bathroom at, uh, Roxy and Calliope's where she's thinking about it again. And it's described as like a, like a, a series of disconnected visions of like destruction, like rubble, people being hurt. Um, so like. I think that very much the point of it to some degree is that it's like unspeakably horrific. Yeah. Um, and it gives her something to like work through and be like to, to work through from the inside while also having an external pressure in the form of dark on her. Mm. And I think that it, 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 I think that it works well. And I think that um, the way that like it, it's, it's, uh, it's compelling and it's, it's, it's cool to like watch her thought process of like, this is, like, like these are my uh dangerous impulses this is how i can try to refocus it to not be a threat to anybody i like that kind of stuff i i think it's 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 fun to watch characters like process that they could hurt other people and that need to um and like how they can be a more constructive person i like that kind of stuff me too 
Um, let me think. Uh, I think that that was most of my thoughts on this. Um, do you have anything else to offer uh, before we wrap this one up? Um, let me think. Let me let me skim through the chapters real quick to make sure covered all the bases. Uh, mention the Cali stuff. Oh, mention the Dirk stuff. I like. Uh, I, I guess. I'm oh, sorry. Go whoa, ahead. whoa, man! It's my turn. We to can't speak. just talk about the same time like that. It's my turn to speak. <laughs> uh, I like the tattoo. I I really like the tattoo. The, the yeah. set in stone. It's it's good. I, I think that that's a, a cool that's a cool thing too. Uh, the I think there's some like irony in that. Like, I think that's intentional. Where like June has repeatedly at this point uh, retconned yeah reality um and like established that the like reality is not set in stone. Um, but at the same time, like those events all still happen to her in specific, and mm. so they make. Like th- that signifies that, they, that those all go towards making her up, even if it's not um, the world around her. I, I, I yeah, like that. I, I mean, if anything, she is the one thing that is set in stone. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, I I, uh, I, I, me- I mentioned uh, some of the things I was complaining about last time, being a little bit confronted. Uh, mm-hmm. when when she has her makeover, and she says that the. The, the more Vriska-esque stuff it feels more appropriate. Uh, mm-hmm. that th- At that point, I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I said I like the Jade stuff, and I said I like the Terezi stuff. Um, they put sex in Homestuck? What the <laughs> heck? <laughs> Yeah, I guess do you want to uh, mention that? I, I did mention that there's a chapter of this that we are not doing on the show because we have underage listeners. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, for all you freaks out there who who, who crave sexual content, uh, Godfields does... The nasties. <laughs> the nasties, if you if you want the nasties. Uh, God, Godfields 2 and 3, I believe both, uh, have a, a number of interludes which are which are not important but are sexual and further develop the relationships going on here there there is a Terezi and June sex scene uh immediately after this if you want to if you want to read that I don't know if you're going to read it Aiden but I might I might read it who knows <laughs> uh I considered it maybe um, maybe I'm, we're both I'm... a couple of freaks here on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> I considered it, but since we weren't going to talk about it, uh, I, I elected not to. Um, I apologize. Bro, uh, light a fire to... after we're done recording and just sit by the fire and, and read Godfield's interlude, Penny in a Bed of Flowers. All right, I'm, I'm going to spark a big fat bowl and uh, give it a read, I guess. Uh, happy 420. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. But yeah, uh, but yeah. If, if, if that's the kind of stuff you're looking for in a, in a story like this, it's there. Uh, but yeah. but there is like a note at the start of it that says that it is, it is non essential. It, it it you'll know you'll know what you're getting into. When you yeah. Do. Uh, yeah, we don't need it's you don't a, need it's us a to explain it to you. We we all know. We know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. We know what website right. we're on. Oh 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 yeah, we know we're on the the perverts website. <laughs> 
Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> what are, so, uh, what, what, what's the, what's the plan for next time? Um, what are we gonna, uh... Next time, we are gonna wrap up Godfields 2 with part three, a good plan. We're gonna get to find out what the plan is. Uh, we're, we're gonna have to discuss, uh, our, our methodology of summarizing, because I think Part three is longer than everything we've covered so far combined. I think. Yes. Yes. Okay. Though it's I I didn't do the math, but it is at least twice as long as part two. So, uh, I'm gonna need to, I'm gonna need to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, how not to how not to take two hours to summarize this thing. Yeah. I I I've looked over the the text. There's a lot of colors, as always. Some 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 classic, homestuck. Everybody's talking. <laughs> Uh, excellent excellent uh, so i'm sure i'm sure we'll have a lot to to bite into next time those are my those are my favorite conversations to try to make sense of in a in, a, in recap form mm. all right so uh you heard it here uh next time we'll be reading the third part um is that the last chapter of this that we're gonna be reading uh that is we're we're gonna we're gonna wrap up our coverage because uh i believe godfields 3 is currently not finished uh and uh, At some point, we should check out some of the goofier stuff that the fans have had to offer. This, I've had a lot of fun with the very serious yeah. uh, queer narrative, uh, but I do kind of want to see what's up with the silly stuff as yeah. well. Uh, one, of, one of our patrons, I forget which one, who was the one that like suggested, I think, like three times that, that we read God Feels, said that the first two are a little bit more detached from part three. Well, God Feels mm-hmm. 3. Uh so, uh, fr- fr- based on that one person saying, uh, saying that, uh, I feel comfortable with us ending Godfields at Godfields two, uh, but I'll, I'll I'll probably keep reading. I'll, I'll I'll see what's up outside of the pod. All right. Okay. Uh. Well. Uh. Now that we know what we're doing, we're doing next. Uh. Shall we wrap this one up? Sure. Okay. Um, well, in that case, uh, I suppose we should thank our patrons. Yep. All right. Uh, so assuming that mine have not changed, um, uh, I would like to give a big thank you, uh, to Michael P, uh, Poof 27 and, and the other 10, uh, I'm going to start from the bottom because our, our new, our new patron has a long name and I want it to be last. Okay. Okay. Uh, our, our other patrons, Corin, Simon Martins, Gareth F., Caffeine, Danny, uh, Calgirl Vriska, that's new. I, I didn't I, I didn't see that one in there. Uh, Tezrak, uh, well, no, you, you did poof. Uh, Haxus 3, uh, Ashen 1, and Jay, I'm going to assume you want your entire name read every time. So, fi- fi- <laughs> final, final shout out for the patrons uh jay unionize everything except cops logan conduit of queerness mage of life based uh thank you all thank you all for money uh love it yes thank you so much for the support uh means a lot um all excellent to hear i always love the remind any reminder that people are still uh tuning in to hear us talk about two uh fandom boomers i don't know that old two uh <laughs> clueless fandom guys talking about uh fanfic uh m- means the world to me that people are still tuning in for this so thank you guys all so much 
Um, we will, uh, oh my god, I was just gonna fucking not thank uh, anybody else. Um, yeah, thank you guys so much for your money. Um, thank you all also to anybody who is still tuning in who's not giving us money. Um, again, it means a lot that people are checking out, uh, our, uh, adventures bumbling through the world of, uh, Homestuck fanfiction. So thank you all so much. Um... And, of course, as always, I'd like to extend a uh, shout-out to Alex, uh, our artist and editor. Um, makes everything here possible. Uh, has got to deal with a lot of dead air and awkward edits this uh, today. So, sorry, Alex. Uh, we love you. And we will see you all again next time. Excuse